creating great food, delivering amazing guest experiences, giving your employees a safe working environment. The last thing you want to do is worry about your technology. NCR can help you run your restaurants from end to end, giving you one number to call whether it's our technology or not. It's your restaurant, made simple. Visit ncr.com to learn how. Ghost kitchens are all the rage these days, and the trend isn't likely to go away anytime soon. Hello, I'm Jonathan Mays, Editor-in-Chief of Restaurant Business, and on this week's episode of A Deeper Dive, I speak with James Walker, Senior Vice President Restaurants with Nathan's Famous. James is a longtime industry executive, and Nathan's under his watch has been particularly aggressive. It revitalized its menu in 2019, and since the pandemic has been pushing expansion through ghost kitchens as well as a virtual brand. We discuss the ghost kitchen trend, why he is a believer in the model, and also get his thoughts on the company's chicken-focused virtual concept. And of course, we talk hot dogs. Please have a listen. Now, okay, I'm here with James Walker. James, welcome to the podcast. Thank you. Thanks for uh, for having me in your office, living room, wherever <laughs> we are. We are in my office. Um, so, uh, how's the hot dog business? The hot dog business is uh, is fantastic. Uh, hot dogs done really well. I think people staying at home, you want some American comfort food. What is more comforting than a nice warm hot dog? Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, I've, I've heard that where like people have gone like, and you hear this, I think from like really from the largest change is that people like familiarity. Um, but I've also heard like, you know, roughly that, that like things like hot dogs and comfort food have really, really play, played well over the past several months. I, I think that's, that's a hundred percent correct. Um, it's been a stressful time. I don't, I don't know who hasn't felt stress over the past, say nine months. Uh, I know it's been stressful for me both professionally and personally and, you know, comfort food, familiar things um, certainly make it a little easier to bear. And everybody makes a great hot dog, right? If you, mm-hmm. if you get Nathan's Famous and you take it home, regardless of whether you're in the ketchup or mustard camp, whether you're a steam, a boil, or a grill, everybody can make a great Nathan's Famous hot dog at home. So I think uh, that's certainly propelled a lot of our popularity the last several months. Mm-hmm. Yeah. My uh, favorite thing about hot dogs, honestly, is the, um, the, I think the preparation to enjoyment ratio is extremely favorable. In other words, you need a lot less effort to get a lot of uh, enjoyment when you're making a hot dog versus, you know, I don't know, you know, something like, you know, some sort of fan, like lasagna is fantastic, but it just takes a lot of effort. Whereas a hot dog, it's just super easy. I'm, I'm, I held up my pen because I'm going to write that down. Pre- preparation <laughs> to, so what, what you're mm-hmm. saying is we're the protein equivalent of a Pop-Tart. Uh, roughly, yes. Yes. Yeah, and I'm, and I'm, saying, I'm saying it as a huge fan of both hot dogs and Pop-Tarts. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, just, yeah, yeah, okay. It's easy. And easy is my favorite. Easy, easy, my, I like easy is awesome. Easy is my favorite. And, and hot dogs, it's just like, it's, it's you know, it's simple. You, you, you don't really, and to be honest with you, it's like you could do fancy things with a hot dog, but really nothing quite beats just a hot dog with mustard. 
See, now I feel you're making fun of me because no. I, uh, we follow each other on Twitter. <laughs> so I know you know what I'm going to say, mm -hmm. that earlier this year, I had to make the now infamous Nathan's famous chili dog Wellington. That was fun. So it was like, like a steak Wellington or a beef Wellington, but a chili, you know, two Nathan's hot dogs mm -hmm. wrapped in cheese, wrapped in chili, mm -hmm. in puff pastry, the now famous or infamous chili dog Wellington. So <laughs> not a little bit more difficult, but the fun I had in that was, it was just, it was absolutely fantastic. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You know, we did that. Um, I think we did that, uh, that on that zoom, uh, hot dog wine tasting event and, and, yes. and, um, and, you know, for your listeners out there, there was, it was like me and then all of these super foodies who knew what the heck they were doing and sort of at the last minute, and here's a story that at the last minute, I made my hot dogs Chicago style because I happened to have the ingredient. And uh, but otherwise, I was just going to put mustard on it because that's how I like my hot. They're super sure. easy. You just put some mustard. Don't put ketchup on it. Put mustard on it. And, and there's just the simplicity of a hot dog with mustard is just is just absolutely phenomenal. So anyway, for what that's worth. Um, yeah, and are are you a yellow or a brown mustard kind of guy? Um, you know, I I mean, I like I mean, I like both. Uh, okay. Most of the time, it's yellow mustard, um, but on occasion, when I'm feeling really fancy, I'll throw the the uh, the Dijon on there, or sometimes the brown. Um, so yeah, I mean, I I have multiple mustards in in my refrigerator. So all right, anyway, for, fair enough. For what that's worth, I also have some Nathan's famous hot dogs in my refrigerator right now. But I think I might have a few as well. Yeah. So, so we got that in common. <laughs> so um, now uh, I guess one of the questions I really want to ask you is that really over the past, I think, few months, you guys have been going a little bit into ghost kitchens. Tell us a little bit about that. Uh, love to talk about it. Uh, and I, I know there's a lot of different opinions around ghost kitchens. Um, there's a camp that says, you know what, ghost kitchens are are strictly opportunistic and they're not gonna matter, you know, once a vaccine is fully rolled out. We, even prior to COVID, we'd been looking at what ways can we answer the demand for Nathan's Famous and the new products. And I know we, you and I have talked about, we've got a cheesesteak with uh, mm -hmm. Pat LaFrida and these new burgers and new chicken sandwiches and what have you. How can we, easily address the consumer demand because building a restaurant even prior to COVID, you know, finding the real estate, which was super competitive and, you know, the right franchise owner and, and what have you, all of that was really cumbersome. So we've been looking at ways to, in a more agile and rapid and lower CapEx um, fashion, how could we expand the brand? And Ghost Kitchens was a godsend to us because it allowed us to really scale the brand really quickly. So um, as we sit today between Nathan's Famous and Wings of New York, I think we're in 75 locations. Right. So se 75, and this rollout really started in April of 2020. So we're not even a year into this, and there's no way with our resources uh, even with the demand that we would have been able to open 75 brick and mortar restaurants. Uh, and some of these ghost kitchens, we opened in the United Arab Emirates, we've opened in Ireland, uh, and we've got some other uh, countries coming online that very difficult for us to get to. So we're, 
we're big believers in the ghost kitchen model and are looking to expand it and don't see that this is gonna change when hopefully COVID is behind us. Wow, so in what, seven, eight months, you open 75 locations, 75 ghost kitchen locations in seven to eight months. That's correct, and I don't wanna do the math, that's, that's beyond me, but that, that's, a, that's a, a pretty rapid expanse, and mm-hmm. um, we, we like the business, even beyond the fact that you're, you're able to roll this out and you're able to do it with the restrictions of COVID, um, and we like the fact that it's light from a CapEx standpoint. The other thing that um, I really like is the ability to market against that channel in a very analytical, traceable fashion. Mm-hmm. So, you know, we're, we're not a large enough brand from a restaurant standpoint to go on television. Obviously, we do from a retail standpoint. But our ability to market on social digital in a way that is very measurable against the delivery channel um, from a macro standpoint and Ghost Kitchen specifically we really enjoy that. So we know what we get for our marketing spend. We're able to drive trial. We're able to know uh, which of the guests are repeat guests. We know what they're buying and what promos work. You know, everybody, uh, every brand wishes they had a larger marketing fund. It's a really efficient, traceable spend. So we like that as well. Wow. So, so basically with all of your customers, you're able to know where they're coming from and what they're looking for and all that other stuff. And what exactly. works and what doesn't. <laughs> Absolutely. And we know if we're going to spend X that we're going to get Y. So you're able to put a business model against that. Um, and, and I know some of the larger brands have very sophisticated, um, you know, analytics and data departments. We don't. Um, we're still a, a small brand from a restaurant standpoint. And whether it's through our partners like Uber Eats and DoorDash, um, or order mark, we're able to get enough analytics that really tells us which promotions drive the business that we're looking to drive. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, I, does it does it help that you have like a really, I mean, you have a very well-known brand. I mean, you probably have a brand far better known than, than its actual presence. So does that help with these uh, locations uh, generate sales there? Or? Uh, I absolutely think it does. Um, you know, from a it opens the door it opens a lot of doors so even going to a market like the united arab emirates where nathan's has never had an official presence of any kind um and the first halal hot dog in in nathan's history going into that market we found that the brand awareness was really really strong um we're rolling out a promotion there next month where if you if you order through our ghost kitchen partner which happens to be katopi if you order through katopi through any of the delivery service providers a certain level i you know a, a certain dollar figure you get this nathan's famous baseball hat and i can tell you just i took two dozen of these baseball hats to the united arab emirates uh, a month ago and people were just crazy to get, you know, an American style baseball cap mm-hmm. with the Nathan's logo and the flavor of New York. You know, it was, it was a fashion statement. So um, that brand awareness really helps us. Mm-hmm. Now, there are a lot of different ghost kitchen models. I mean, do you favor one or the other? Or, uh, I mean, is there a specific model you tend to prefer or do you use all of them? No, we're, we don't. So um, 
we're currently not as a, a franchise or we are not operating any ghost kitchens beyond our corporate restaurants. So we've got mm -hmm. four corporate restaurants and they operate from a delivery standpoint, obviously Nathan's Famous and our Wings of New York brand. Beyond that, the other 71 ghost kitchens are operated by either franchise or licensing partners. So we're not looking to, to just lease space, we're looking for an operating partner. Now, what I will say is we have macro relationships with Katopi and Reef and, and Franklin Junction. And what is common about those three macro partners is they're all great operators. They are great brand stewards. They execute at a very high level, great product quality. And I'm really comfortable with them being brand stewards. Beyond that, we're operating in a number of just one, one or two mom and pop kitchens where you know this could be a catering hall it could be a sit-down restaurant and they've been dramatically adversely impacted by covid or local restrictions and bringing in wings of new york and nathan's famous from a virtual standpoint delivery only adds revenue that in many cases i think is keeping them in business so that's good for us it's really good for them and it, it makes us feel that um, we've got a business model that's really helping um, our partners. We like that. How did you get connected with that? How did that work where you went in a couple of mom and pops? That's the one I hadn't heard before. So, you know, initially um, we were talking to the big partners and, um, you know, we had uh, someone on our team mentioned, you know, hey, would you consider, um, you know, there, there's a food hall and obviously from a catering standpoint, catering is, is really difficult and in-person weddings and those kind of things are really um, majorly dramatically impacted in, in a bad way. James, would you consider doing that? And I said, you know, if they, you know, if they have our requisite equipment package and we like the location they're in, absolutely we'd consider that. And it really, um, it gained momentum very, very quickly where we said, you know, here's a, here's a great way for us to scale the brand. It's something that we can do during COVID, and it's something where, um, you know, we're working with other individual entrepreneurs, which we love that relationship. And um, for the first time, so we we did this really in the last quarter of 2020. We're now marketing against it in uh, starting in, in probably last Monday. We're now outwardly saying, hey, if you've got a restaurant and you've got friolators and a flat top grill and excess reefer and freezer capacity, you can be a Nathan's Famous Wings of New York Ghost Kitchen for less than $3,000 total CapEx, total. So we're now marketing against that, looking for more partners. Hmm. Wow. Wow. That's, that's, uh, that's really interesting. How do you... I mean, do you, do you, is there anything that you do to make sure that you're going into that the, the, the kitchen you're going into is, is a, I mean, like these are, are good operators or what do you do there? So the, uh, the answer I'll try to make as brief as possible is it's different in every case. So mm -hmm. if this is a potential ghost kitchen operator who's in a market where I have personnel or personnel can travel to, absolutely. We go in and we inspect the facility and we make sure that this is, this is somebody that um, is going to be a, a great brand steward. 
In some cases, we've had to do it all virtually where, you know, certainly we're looking at um, local health department inspections, inspections for other franchisors they may be associated with. We're looking at the social media content and Yelp reviews, and we're inspecting the facility um, you know, using Zoom where literally we're walking through the restaurant, show me this, walk me through how you clean your fry later, show me your cleaning log, show me your HACCP program. And our team's gotten uh, really good at doing this, uh, this type of thing. Mm -hmm. Now, um, do you see this as a sort of an end to specific markets? Or do you think that these ghost kitchens are gonna be sort of an entity in and of themselves? I think, I think it can be both. So I think mm -hmm. for, for a brand like Nathan's Famous, you know, where we've got a broad menu and uh, we wanna be in these major metropolitan areas, really the play is capital expenditure. Um, you know, the fact that we're able to go into the heart of New York City or the heart of Chicago or into Miami in a way that makes sense from a real estate standpoint, it allows us to scale the brand. I think um, the other thing that it allows you to do is, you know, in a market like Ireland where real estate costs is very high, we were able to partner with an existing restaurant company that got us 32 restaurants overnight. Wow. So I think this is a great way to scale existing brands like Nathan's, but also our virtual brand, Wings of New York. We're at, I think, 12 locations today with probably another dozen launching before the end of the month. You know, this is a brand that Ghost Kitchens works really well with because we're able to leverage the SGNA. It helps mitigate risk. It really um, it leverages the entire program. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So, um, do you do you anticipate like building like a uh, brick and mortar locations in Ireland as a result of this? Do you think that's going to lead to something like that, or do you think you're going to be more of a Ghost Kitchen operator there? I think on a market by market basis, I think it'll be different. So in, in the case of Ireland, you know, we've just got such broad penetration with our, our partner, the Eddie Rockets Group in Ireland. 32 locations provides good coverage for the market through a delivery standpoint. Um, now, having said that, I think people will get a, a, a taste for Nathan's, excuse the, the pun there. Um, and they'll be looking for more and more products. So I certainly think somewhere down the line, you know, it could be a year, it could be two years, you'll begin to see brick and mortar locations. And then you've got markets. Um, we're going into some markets in Southeast Asia. We're going into uh, markets in South America. We're already in the GCC, where I think the demand for the full experience, in-person experience, will probably be less than 12 months, where people say, hey, I, I love this. Um, I love the experience at home. I do like to dine out. I want to have this experience in a dine out fashion. So I, I think it'll be different on a market by market basis. Mm -hmm. Now you guys did a lot of, as you, you referred to, you've done a lot of many development work really um, over the last several months. Did you, um, first off, could you talk a little bit about that many development work? And then did you do anything? Did you tweak that or change it or, or do anything to sort of address this, this shift to takeout and things like that? So for probably my first year within the brand, we were focused on everything in the menu 
with the exception of hot dogs and French fries. Mm -hmm. So, you know, this may be the year we begin to look at that hot dog and French fry category, but the opportunity was really in our other food pillars. So we developed a new fresh Angus burger program. We developed a hand breaded chicken program and we developed the hero program, which includes that Pat LaFrieda New York cheesesteak. Um, we had always been of a mind that delivery was going to be really important. So from the get-go, we were focused on what is the best packaging that we can find, um, you know, what delivers the product, what delivers an experience instead of just a sandwich. So even prior to COVID, we were very focused on trying to deliver an experience, not just the food. So COVID didn't bring about really any changes other than just a very keen eye to safety. So sealing our packages, sealing the bags, making sure that that's, uh, mm -hmm. that's part of it. But as far as, you know, the actual packaging and how the product is uh, presented to the guests, we were already focused on that prior to COVID. Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. So tell us a little bit about the virtual brand, Wings of New York. So, uh, and I'm smiling because I'm, I'm, I love this brand. Uh, and, and there's a couple things I really love within it. Um, you have heard us say, and it's on our website, it's on our packaging, it's on our uniforms. Nathan's Famous is the flavor of New York. And that's part of that menu architecture work that we did at Nathan's, um, where we said, you know, these are the guardrails. The food has to be things that people have believability would come from New York. Well, when you look at a brand extension, what is more New York than Buffalo Wings, right? It's, it's in the name. So mm -hmm. we knew that Wings was a category that really was growing exponentially under COVID. We believed that it was something that we could execute, that it was something that people would believe that it would come from the Nathan's team. And maybe... Most importantly, we thought we could do it differently, that we could have something unique in a wing brand that wasn't really being done. So, you know, for us, those unique things are we uh, we went with a large wing. Um, you know, our wing is uh, a nine count or better wing. So this would be, you know, considered a jumbo wing. Our wings are marinated and twice fried. So, you know, our research, which um, it involves some actual research and analytic work also involved me eating a lot of wings, which <laughs> is what you knew I was going to say. It came down to people want a wing that is crunchy and juicy. Mm -hmm. So the way we got juicy was to marinate our wings and the way we got crunchy was to twice fry them. So we thought having a jumbo twice fried marinated wing would be unique. Um, instead of just developing a line of, of wing sauces, which we were prepared to do, we said, why do that? I love TK's hot sauce. I love Sweet Baby Ray's. So we basically took 13 super popular wing toppings and, and sauces, uh, and we created our own with our partner, Mark Miller. Chef Mark Miller made a wing sauce that we use. That's the 14th. So that's unique. So it's not you know, these are Nathan's wing sauces or Wings of New York sauces. These are sauces that you love. You know, I'm not going to try to do sriracha better than the guys that make sriracha. They're great at it. Mm -hmm. But one thing we did do is a number of our wings actually are garnished. So if it's a sweet jalapeno dressing uh, or wing sauce, we have shaved jalapenos on the top, or we have green onions on our Korean gojichang sauce. So the wings are garnished. So we think even within the wing category, there's some uniqueness. 
And then we've got our hand breaded chicken tenderloins. We may call them tenders, but it's really a tenderloin. And then waffles. And waffles has, I've wanted to do waffles since I came to Nathan's. Waffles are synonymous with chicken and waffles. They're a big product in Harlem. There's some fantastic uh, waffle restaurants in Harlem. Been wanting to do it. This was an opportunity and it's worked really well. I think uh, more than 75% of our orders at Wings of New York go out with at least one waffle. So waffles has been really special for us. Yeah, I'm in favor of chicken and waffles, just for the record. Uh, so are you, so we do chicken and waffles three ways. Mm -hmm. We do wings and waffles, we do tenders and waffles, and then we do a full half fried chicken and waffle. So which, which one am I delivering to the Mays residents? All three? All three. There you go. Good. All right. Great answer. Uh, yeah, yeah. I'm pretty good at that. <laughs> is, so does, does a large wing, I mean, does, I mean, cause like one of the concerns I always have, you've heard this before, um, I get concerned about wing costs. Is that, does a large wing um, help address that a little bit? Not at all. Uh, it, well, it's different. So a larger wing just simply costs more. Mm -hmm. So I would say if there's any pricing advantage to going with a larger wing versus smaller is there's less volatility. So you, you know um, there's just huge volatility in that smaller wing because some of the major wing companies are, are selling that wing. We knew that we would never be able to compete with them. I can't compete with um, the likes of Wingstop and Buffalo Wild Wings. They're huge companies. They do an awesome job and they just have purchasing strength that I don't have. So we said, you know, let's be unique. There is more cost on a per piece basis just because of the additional weight, but there isn't the volatility. And when you look at primarily um, growing through ghost kitchens, it's just difficult to be in a situation where you've got to address pricing on a month by month basis. So there is more stability in that larger wing market, but they are more expensive on a per piece basis. Mm -hmm. Have you like, I mean, the, the pricing, the issue with the always issue that I always have with chicken wings is, and you've probably heard me tweet this on a, or read me tweeting this on occasion is what happens is somebody gets into, you know, you, you have chicken wings and then the price spikes. There's every so often there's this massive price spike, which you address a little bit. And then um, people freak out because, oh my gosh, prices are, are going up and they jack up their prices. And then the next year, oh my gosh, we're suddenly super profitable. Everybody comes in. Uh, I mean, so the volatility, I'd imagine the way you're talking about probably eases that a little bit. But do you address sort of the pricing issue? Because it is sort of an, ex because it is a, a really costly piece of meat. It, well, certainly in this country, it's it's really costly, mm -hmm. less so in some of the other markets we're going into. Mm -hmm. um, I would so not specific to chicken wings, but you know uh, our Nathan's famous uh, restaurants sell fresh Angus beef, and I can tell you, early during the pandemic, we saw a huge spike in fresh beef, and we just said, you know what, we know this is probably going to be. 30 to 90 days, you know, hoping. And we didn't pass that on. We said, you know what, it's, this is stressful enough for consumers. Um, we're very focused on making sure that our guest experience in any way possible doesn't suffer because of COVID. We don't want that to be excuse. And, you know, I, I just released an article, I think yesterday, don't let COVID be the excuse for why your, your brand promise isn't being met. So we didn't pass any of the elevated costs we saw for COVID. We didn't adjust pricing. 
you know, we bit, bit our knuckles and just dealt with it. So I can't say if, um, if wing prices went up that at some point we wouldn't have to address that from a consumer standpoint. Um, I would say we've been very planful in where we are in the market from a pricing standpoint. And we're very focused on making sure that guests feel they get a value with us. So um, we'll have to see. You know, there's a big football game that happens in the next month or so. Uh, I think we have to call it the big game, right? I, we can't name it by name, right? I'm calling it the Super Bowl. I don't care what okay, anybody says. If All the NFL right, so, calls me, I'll just deal with it. Yes. So that's lawsuits to Jonathan Mays at Winsight Media, <laughs> uh, not to James Walker. But, you know, wing prices skyrocket because people eat more wings on that Sunday. So, you know, we're, we won't adjust our, our wing pricing for Super Bowl. I can tell you that the, yeah. the prices will not spike. In fact, um, we had a call with our DoorDash partner um, earlier today. We've got a call with our, our friends at Uber Eats next week, and we're looking at how can we create some value bundles um, for the big game mm -hmm. that you yeah. mentioned, not me. Right. <laughs> I mentioned. Is he, um, <laughs> so you fry these twice? Twice fried. Yep. So, you know, we, uh, they're marinated, they're brined. And then they're uh, single fried and IQF frozen. So okay. they have uh, an agent that really helps, um, you know, just that whole process where we get a fast uh, fry on that second fry, which really brings it up to a very elevated temperature. They're super hot, super crispy, and we're able to, to cook them in less than six minutes. Mm -hmm. Where if we just took a, a fresh wing, and tried to do the entire process, we wouldn't be able to hit the delivery times that we want to hit. Mm -hmm. So you said you have how many locations of the wings in New York? Did you say 14? Did I remember that we're, correctly? I think we're at 12 today. Oh. Um, so this, this is back to being really fun for me mm -hmm. as a franchisor, where almost every day of the week, I'm signing you know, agreements for Wings of New York. So I think we're at 12 today. And I think between now and the end of the month, there's between 12 and 17 more that'll launch. Okay. And these, and so do you expect this just to be a virtual brand going forward? Or do you expect brick and mortar at some point? You know, uh, I have said for the last 60 days, this is a virtual brand and my handshakes have gotten less and less vigorous because we are seeing that there's, that there's probably going to be a demand to at least be able to come in and pick up the product. So we're already looking to accommodate that in some of our locations and some of our, our franchise owners are saying, hey, we, we really would like to have a dining room for this concept. So I would say it's gonna be dictated by the market and by consumer demand. I'm mm -hmm. never, in a, never wanna put myself in a position where I'm arguing with franchise owners or guests, those are two people I wanna to listen to. So if our franchise owners and our guests are saying, I wanna go into the wings of New York, um, I don't think I'm smarter than those two uh, groups of stakeholders. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So do, do you think that this, um, this uh, shift towards, I mean, we've had this massive shift towards takeout. Do you think that that's gonna continue uh, down the road? Do you ever get concerned about, you know, like, one of the things that I, you know, that, that I'm, I'm wondering is that, you know, well, I know that once this thing is over, once I, once we have a vaccine and, and, and everything is good, I'm probably going to eat inside restaurants more than I did before. Um, do you get, get concerned that like, that's going to lead this for this shift away from the, the delivery model? Or do you think that's here to stay? 
You know, I can only give you my opinion, and that's that we were we were headed on a trajectory for greater off-premises. You know, mm-hmm. articles that your organization wrote and you've been party to, as as well as some of your uh, your contemporaries, been very focused prior to COVID that off-premises was was gaining steam and momentum. I think COVID elevated that. And while there's certainly folks like yourself and myself, when I feel I can go out and dine more frequently in person, I like, I love that dining experience. Part of what I get from that is the experience and you just don't get the experience in delivery yet. Having said that, I do think what COVID did is it educated a huge amount of the population that this is an opportunity to get food at home that they weren't aware of. So we might see a dip after the vaccine, but I don't think the trajectory of off-premises growing is going to go away or change. James, this was fantastic. Thank you for joining me this week on the podcast. As always, my pleasure. And I'll see you at Nathan's Famous with Mustard. And that should do it for this week's episode of A Deeper Dive. Before I go, I would also like to put in a plug for all of our other podcasts on restaurant business, including RB Daily, Menu Feed, and Buzzworthy Brands. Check them out wherever you get your podcasts. This episode of A Deeper Dive was edited by Kimberly Kazmarek. Artwork by Nico Hines and Sarah Stewart. You may find this and other episodes of the podcast on our website at www.restaurantbusinessonline.com backslash article backslash deeper dash dive. You may also find them on Apple Podcasts or Spotify or wherever you get your listening thingies. I'm Jonathan Mays, your host, podcast producer, and the editor-in-chief of Restaurant Business. Thank you for listening. Creating great food, delivering amazing guest experiences, giving your employees a safe working environment. The last thing you want to do is worry about your technology. NCR can help you run your restaurants from end to end, giving you one number to call whether it's our technology or not. It's your restaurant. Made simple. Visit ncr.com to learn how.